I appreciate you doing this. Oh, no problem, man. All right, hang tight. coffee lovers it's 1900 it is well, a little bit after 1900 but it's friday and uh, i have been absent for quite some time now um, and we'll get to that in just a little while uh, i have a special guest i'm going to bring on here right now um, he is an army chaplain and uh, uh, we're going to do a couple of things tonight uh, one of the things we're going to do is explain i'm going to i'm going to explain why i've been absent uh, what's been going on in my life that um, I haven't done the podcast or, or a whole lot of social media. Uh, and then um, what really bothered me today is, um, you know, I, I don't watch the news. I used to work for the NSA. I worked for them for 10 years. Uh, and you're constantly bombarded with uh, left wing, right wing, all of it, all kinds of media. Uh, you have to have, uh, you know, for, op for OPSEC, you have to have uh, news. And so um, it, it, um, when, when I left back in February, I, I haven't watched the news. We don't have TV at the house and I, and I don't watch the news. And so here in the last few days, somebody has been asking me a few things and I decided uh, to get on and, and check out some news today. And it was really disheartening. And um, I'm really worried about, not really worried, but I mean, it just bothers me deeply uh, that, that after we announce the way we announced our withdrawal, from Afghanistan was insane. Uh, but then the fact that now we're sending a whole bunch of Marines and a whole bunch of paratroopers, thousands of them, uh, into Afghanistan. And, and that's the reason I asked Will to come on tonight. Uh, the first thing we're going to do, like I always do, I always thank God for everything he's done. Uh, he has pulled me through some really dark, uh, times, especially recently. We'll get into that in a little while. Um, Sometimes when God, you, when you pray and you ask God for things and your wife gives you some advice, that's God talking to you. <laughs> so, so listen to that guys. It's not a, it's not just your wife uh, pulling at you, but um, uh, she's been a, a rock uh, during this time that I've had this trial that I have been put through. And so, uh, and it's not really me. I mean, there's other people that are going through some really, really uh, tough times uh, with, with my situation, but um I just wanted Will to get on, and I'm going to let Will explain a little bit about his military service, and then what he's going to do. He's going to lead us in a prayer. We're going to pray for all our troops who are getting deployed to Afghanistan for their families, uh, and and for their their brothers and sisters that they're that they're going to stand next to uh, where they're going. And uh, 
you know, it's a sad time uh, for our country. And and um, uh, anyway, Will, uh, introduce yourself, and uh, and then uh, let's uh, let's let's pray for our for our brothers and sisters. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for thanks for having me on today. Um, so you know, my my path to I guess ministry, like most, has a, a lot of curved roads in it. Um, but, you know, I was originally born uh, from Haiti and we came here in 86. And, um, you know, the reason we came was because, um, you know, when the dictator at the time was getting overthrown, um, anyone who, who had a good job, you know, Haitians sometimes believe you're in cahoots, right? Um, and so my dad had a good job. He's also a pastor, by the way. So he had a church. Then he had a job, and my mom was a school teacher. And um, so we essentially left Haiti because they were looking to wipe our family out, right? And one of the church members um, overheard the plot and actually told my dad. And she was like, if, if, you, if there's any way you can get out of Haiti, I would recommend you do so um, because it's, it's, it's coming. I don't know when it's coming. You may have like maybe like 30 days or something, but yeah, it's, it's, you need to figure out some way off the island, whether it's going to the Dominican Republic or something, you just gotta go. And, um, so, you know, um, obviously to the grace of God, we're able to leave. Um, so he filled out, he filled out paperwork and we got a visa kind of hit out, you know, it was kind of one of those, you know, you pack your bags that we could carry and then we just left. Like literally, <laughs> literally cars just left in the driveway, a completely furnished house, everything done, right? And then we hit out is what we had to do. We hit out for about two, three weeks. Visas came through from the consulate, uh, kind of snuck over there to the consulate to get it, hopped on, you know, American Express. And, um, you know, and that's how I ended up here in America, right? Um, the crazy thing about it is, you know, they always tell you, you got to watch out for the sins of the past, right? So our visa ran out in 92. We had paperwork submitted to get our resident alien card. And the immigration system was wicked slow, right? And so in 92, myself, my sister, my brother, and my mom, we all got deported back to Haiti. In 92 <laughs> right so it happened again <laughs> you know so it was like one day you're in school the next day you're back in Haiti no school right and uh, yeah so we got deported in and um, and you know we kind of there was you know a couple of people still left from those days or whatever and uh, you know we had to do some secret secret squirrel business when we got there um, you know it's kind of like we had to put the, the address on our baggage tags. We had to put kind of like the wrong address, right? So, because yeah, it was crazy. So we put the wrong address in, we took one of those little jitney cab things and we had them drop us off literally two miles away from where we were gonna stay with my aunt. And we walked the two miles. So it, it, was, it was some crazy <laughs> misdirection stuff we had to do 
And um, yeah, we kind of laid low for about like 90 days and then our resident alien card came through and then we came back to the US. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, so that's, so that's that. And, um, you know, I ended up in the, I ended up in the Marine Corps um, because I, I was roommating with my cousin. He actually joined the Marine Corps first. And, um, you know, I couldn't afford the apartment by myself. And so I drove him down to the recruiter's office to fill out the paperwork. And of course, another you know, recruiter is like, hey, you ever thought about joining the Marine Corps? And I was like, actually, no, you know, I'm in college right now. I'm doing good. I've always been a good student. And, um, and he was like, well, you know, we have the GI Bill stuff and it can help you out and you can continue classes while you're into Marine Corps and not even have to use the GI Bill, right? And so for me, it was an easy sell. I was about to get evicted from my apartment anyway. Um, trying, I was, you know, a couch was in my future. So, <laughs> so I said, sure, you know, and, um, and yep, ended up there. Um, and then I got, I got out of the Marine Corps, um, you know, like most Marines, the first marriage doesn't work out. The core takes its toll, but I had a daughter, so got divorced, got a daughter. Um, and then, <laughs> you know, and then got remarried and I was going back in the Marine Corps. The, the, the new wife did not want me to be a door kicker. So in walks the army. And while I'm in the army, um, you know, I get stationed in Hawaii. Everybody's clapping for me. Oh, you're getting stationed in Hawaii. Um, it wasn't even in the list of the places I chose, but needless to say, the army has a reason for sending you where they send you. So I get to Hawaii in like July and they're like, you know, welcome to the unit. You're deploying in August. <laughs> 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 so, you know, I call my wife, you know, and I said, did those household good guys already come? They're like, yeah, the truck just left. I was like, so about that whole Hawaii thing, um, you're basically going to be the island by yourself because like I'm leaving in 25 days, right? And, uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, when we got back, you know, we ended up um, going to Milani Baptist Church. And I've always been active in church. I, you know, again, my dad was a pastor. I helped him start churches. I technically gave my first sermon when I was like 16. Um, I was youth group leader, youth group pastor, all that stuff in the Haitian church. And while I was serving there, you know, we had a, you know, we didn't have really good unit chaplain. And I was always griping, moaning, complaining to my pastor about it. And, um, so then he said, you know, uh, you know, pray about it and, you know, see what God tells you to do. You know, you've obviously identified a problem and um, you've been a victim of bad chaplaincy and and how it didn't help you. And you kind of had to lean on your relationship with God to help you through and um, and figure out what it was. And so they had this men's retreat. I think um, four months later, they had a men's retreat. I go to the men's retreat. We're all sitting there by the old campfire thing, talking this and this and this. I go to sleep and I couldn't sleep. You know, it was kind of restless or whatever. Called my wife at about four o'clock in the morning. And I said, you know, guess I'm going to seminary school. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And um, so we were talking about it back and forth for a while, never made a decision. But, you know, sometimes when when God puts it on your heart, you know, you become restless, right? And you got to take action on what he wants you to do. Oof, and, so, and so, um, you know, told in the morning, you know, when everybody was at breakfast, I pulled my pastor to the side. 
after we got done praying for breakfast. And I said, um, yeah, I guess I'm going to go to seminary school. I, I'll figure out how the chaplain stuff works and, and whatever. And um, he's like, well, you know, before you go to seminary school, you're going to have to be ordained and stuff like that. And um, he's like, you know, I know your character. I know your heart. Um, we wouldn't have a problem ordaining you as a pastor at our church here um, before you leave Hawaii. So I got ordained over at Milnani Baptist Church. Um, that's why I got my cool little pastor ordination certificate. And um, yeah, just filled out the paperwork, prayed about it, filled out the paperwork, dropped my packet and see if I got picked up for the chaplain candidate program. Um, that was, you know, that's how enlisted become chaplains if you don't already have a degree. It's almost like going to OCS. So I had to drop my packet, you know, prayed about it, dropped my packet and just waited to see, you know, and, um, you know, got, I got it back. I got picked up, didn't know where we we're going to end up Told my wife, you know, kind of look for, look for jobs and see what can happen. And, uh, she's an occupational therapy, occupational therapist and, uh, found a job in Tampa, Florida. So I figure, you know, We'll get to Tampa, Florida, and we'll figure out what reserve base I'm going to go at that point. And, you know, when you do what God tells you to do, he works it out. And so we get to Tampa, Florida. I get a call from Chaplain Benner. We're still friends till this day. And he's like, hey, I'm Chaplain Benner. Uh, we have a reserve base here, the Max Stover Reverse Reserve Center out here in St. Pete, Florida. And uh, where do you live? I said, well, you know, I'm over here in Tampa. He's like, you know, that's only that's only. 30 to 40 minutes from you based on traffic. So, you know, there was a base already, you know, there was a base already ready. He's like, normally this is a, this is a brigade position, you know, a lot of majors, lieutenant colonels and stuff are up here. The, uh, you know, the CEO, the Fulbright Colonel has his office up here. We normally don't take chaplain candidates, but um, we're taking you. So there you go. And I ended up staying at that unit for, for about six years. You know, there was some hardships, of course, some, you know, some suicidal ideations, some things like that. And, you know, I, I thank the Lord that he was able to give me the words when I needed it um, to counsel these soldiers. And, um, you know, I was able to, you know, save some lives. And um, these guys are still alive to this day. Some of them are Facebook friends of mine, even though I'm not currently you know, in the army anymore. Um, you know, they call when they have problems. You know, I tell them my phone, just, I'm like, just because I'm leaving the army doesn't mean my phone turns off, right? I have, you have my number, use it. And they've used it a couple of times. And, um, and it was good, you know, you plant those seeds and we went from having nobody show up to chapel service on a drill weekend to uh, about having about 25 to 30 show up on a drill weekend. I even got the opportunity, we had a unit below us and when their chaplains wouldn't be around, one of our guys ended up in that unit below. He deployed with them and he got assigned to them. He told people about me and some of them would come upstairs for our chapel service. So it was, you know, it was really cool. And, um, you know, I got to do a couple of burials here in Sarasota, the, the veteran cemetery in Sarasota. One of the chaplain um, coordinators reached out to me to be able to fill in. Um, so, you know, it's a crazy journey, you know, <laughs> literally, you know, fleeing the country from uh, persecution, looking to get wiped out to, you know, 
burying vets at the National Cemetery. How does that happen for a guy who didn't even know how to speak English? I think I did pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> Absolutely. That's an amazing, you know, well, have you been on other people's podcasts? Um, I did one. I did one, but it was like many months ago, but I, I haven't really been on any podcasts. Um, you know, no one's really asked me to, <laughs> to do it. Um, and so, you know, you asked, you needed someone to help and pray. I'm always willing to help and pray for, you know, for our troops and stuff like that. I do so at home anyway. Um, right. and so, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm always, I'm always up to, uh, well, I'm going to make this commitment to you. Is I'm going to have you on the show as a regular guest, okay? <laughs> I know I asked you to come on tonight just to pray for us, but uh, I'm going to have you back as a as a guest because you have an amazing uh, story of, I mean, uphill both ways. I mean, there's no way yeah, to look at that. Uh, yeah, it's it's you know it's been rough to be honest. You know, I run my own business from home. It's a design and marketing business. We do branding, website design, whatever. And only reason I'm doing it because I got laid off January 1st for my office job. <laughs> but you know, you know? Yeah, nothing you know? happens by chance. Everything is purpose. God yeah. doesn't do anything by chance. You you know that. Yeah. And you so know, and you know, I got laid off and you know, my wife was like, What are we gonna do? I'm like, we're gonna do the same thing we always do when hardships come. We'll, we'll leave it at the feet of the Lord, we'll pray on it. And a solution right. will come forward. And um, yeah, you know, I have a bachelor's in business with a human resource concentration. So kind of did a skill inventory. What do I know? What can I do? <laughs> I mean, nobody was hiring because of COVID, you know, and uh, I'm like, what can I do? And, um, you know, one thing I will always say that the good Lord has blessed me with, I am able to learn things very quickly and apply, right? It's, it's served me in a lot of different situations. And I basically taught myself graphic design. And I taught myself website design, taught it all to myself. And, um, you know, my a buddy of mine, Bo, from Connective Human, he gave me a chance to design a brochure for him. And um, I did a brochure for him. He had this presentation. The people loved the brochure, the layout and everything. That translated to me, you know, doing his side. And, um, yeah, you know, it, it, it's been, you know, a humbling experience for sure. Um, all the jobs I've gotten were through word of mouth and things like that. So, you know, thank the Lord for that. And, um, you know, we just keep pushing onwards and upwards, but yeah, it's, 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 it's craziness. And, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I got laid off just basically because I got morals. That was really it. I didn't do anything wrong in the job. They wanted me to do something. I said, I wouldn't do it. It's, it would compromise my moral beliefs and I don't believe in doing it. And they just basically said, well, the company's working and moving in a different direction. That direction doesn't include you in it. So here you go. So, you know, it's, it's, I tell my children this all the time, you know, all you have in this world is your name, right? And you can choose to sully your name or you can do what the good Lord tells you, right? You, you just work with that. And if you rest in your faith and you do what's right, um, it may cost you um, within this world, but if you do it wholeheartedly and you know you're in the right and you keep with your, within your morals, you know, God will always provide a way out. And um, and my way out was working for myself, you know, so I think, you know, thank him for that. But yeah, it's it's uh, 
I got let go because I wouldn't compromise, you know? And I told them, I'm like, you know, I'm a pastor. I can't do this, what you're asking me to do. I just can't do it. <laughs> and they're like, well, there's being a pastor and there's you being a manager, you know, for this pediatric office. You got to choose what you want to do. I said, hey, that's an easy thing for me, right? Not every time. That's, you know, I'm, I'm Camp JC all day long, you know? So that, that's not gonna, it's not gonna happen. And um, the human resource lady was there and I looked at her, I said, you have a human resource degree, I have a human resource degree. You know what they're asking me to do is illegal, you know that, right? And she's like, well, yes, but there's ways, I'm like, yeah, there's ways to cover it up, but I'm not walking around with that burden, man, I'm not doing it. And yeah, and they let me go two weeks later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like you said, man, it, it, don't ever make me choose between God and whatever I have to do, because I'm going to choose God every time. That's just all there of is. Course. Of I course. Of course. No, uh, yeah, I'm not going to ever be on the wrong side again. I, I spent most of my life uh, running from God. And so I'm. Yeah, I mean, we all go through that, even though I grew no. up in a church. I went four years not going to church or doing anything, you know, kind of mad at the world and mad at the Lord for a lot of things. And just had to kind of like do some soul searching and reconcile within myself how much of that was self-inflicted, right? And how much of that was actually God. You know, if we're honest with ourselves and we look ourselves in the mirror, worse than all, we know all the stuff we did, right? And at that point, you just got to do what you got to do to get right and get yourself back on the right path, you know? And um, you know, I did, you know, the whole, my full four years in the Marine Corps active duty was for, I did four years in the inactive reserves, whole four years, man, was just me working on myself and, and getting right. And, and I made a promise to myself. I was like, by the time my contract is over active duty wise, the guy that I was going in is not going to be the same guy that goes back home. Right. And, um, you know, just really held up, held that, held to that promise. And, um, you know, I tell people at the end of the day, if you don't know what to do, you can always lean on Ephesians 4.32. And it says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. So knowing all the stuff you've done, and just like that, in the snap of a finger, he forgave you, should let you know how to treat your fellow human beings within our flawed humanity and what we can do, right? And... Um, I'm like, if you lean on that, you'll always make the right decisions, right? Mm. And that's that's the way it goes. Dude, that's beautiful. That's a perfect verse. Um, so I guess what I want to do now is uh, I just want us to, you know, if you're watching, I ask you that you share this later. If you watch this, if you're watching the replay, put hashtag replay. Uh, but share this with everybody you know. Um, you know, I, I, it drives me nuts when people say, well, you know, I, I guess I'll just pray for you. I mean, I, that's the least I can do. No, that's not the least you can do. That's the best thing you can do for anybody is to pray for them. And I'm not saying like, oh, yeah, hey, you know, I mean, like, seriously, you know, get get quiet, be still, talk to the Lord, you know, ask him what you need to ask him, be specific about it. Um and uh, and prayer should be the first thing that we do, not the last. And yeah, and so, I, I think sometimes people don't pray because they think it's hard to pray, right? And what I tell people is what prayer is, is a conversation. It's that confidential conversation 
for whatever you say within that prayer stays in the vault, right? So if you don't know what to say when you pray, all you really need to do is just open your lips and just start moving and you'd be surprised what what burden comes off your chest, right? And that's really all prayer is. I think sometimes, you know, people see these mega churches on TV, they see these pastors and that's so eloquent and all this other cool stuff. Um, you know, all that is is for show, you know, at the root of it, right? Um, you know, when you look at the root of prayer and how Jesus taught the disciples to pray, it's a very short prayer, actually. It's not even long. It's not long-winded. It's literally a very short prayer because he wanted to show them how simple it was, right? You don't have to be like this, you know, grandiose person with the tent and the tabernacle. You can't go in. You can't peek in behind the green curtain. You want them to know like you, the normal person, can go to a corner, find a quiet spot, wherever it could be, and have a conversation with God. And that equals prayer, right? Sure. And that is it. At its very core, all it is is a conversation, right? And the the whole point in prayer is not just to pray for people, but prayer helps to alleviate the burden, right? You feel lighter when you're done praying because whatever it is that was in you is now out. You spoke it into existence, but you spoke that shame between you and God right? There's no judgment there. There's no prying eyes there. There's no, should I choose my word carefully? You go and you find a nice quiet spot to yourself. You open your mouth and then you just go ahead and just pray, right? And, you know, and that's that's the way it is. You don't need that intercessor, right? You don't need to go to that little booth and, Father, forgive me for all I've sinned. I did this yesterday. The whole idea with, with Jesus and things like that is the fact that you know jesus said where one or two gather in my name that's where i'll be right he says that because he wanted people to understand you don't need to be in a church setting you don't need to be in a big group you just need to believe that i can help you right and if you do so whatever foxhole you're in whatever corner of the world you see yourself in wherever you are find a place in quiet and and call upon my name just have that conversation and it calms you down, right? And, you know, that's, you know, in its root form, that's what prayer is. It's a method to calm you down. It's a method to calm your spirit. It's a method to speak into existence those things we keep to ourselves in the darkest recesses of our mind that only we know that's there, right? That is the gift of prayer. And when you do that for somebody, and they're in that room with you, that's why that person feels better, right? Is because you're praying for them, you're both are in the same room, but you're giving them the opportunity to then say, I'm not as evil of a person that I think I am, right? That someone found it in their heart to pray for me, so they think I'm worth something. And if you can help someone realize that they're worth something, you help to establish hope. And if you help to establish hope, you now have empowered that person to seek change, right? And that's so, and that's, what, and that's what faith is. You know, by definition, the Bible says faith 
it's a belief in things unseen, right? You can't, you can't touch a prayer, but you know it happened, right? You can't touch hope, but you know you gave it to someone, right? You can't see the inner working of somebody's mind once they know, oh my God, someone actually cares about me and they're praying for me even when I'm not around and they're in my corner to succeed without any type of judgment. This is completely unrequested. There's no, there's, there's no clause, there's no chains, there's nothing attached to this. They're just giving this thing to me, right? When people realize there's a gift of prayer that you give them, right? They tend to ask you, can you help me pray? Because they want to know how to do it for themselves, right? Because they can't believe that someone just did that for them, right? I've had people who aren't really big believers or whatever who are like, hey, Will, can you pray for me, right? Um, and I'll do it, you know? And, you know, they'll say, you know, it's not for me, but it's for my mom or it's for this or whatever. And the, what I tell them is I know in, in your head, the logic part of your body, you're like, well, I don't know about this God thing. I don't know this. I don't know that. We all have that. As a pastor, I have it. It's our logical brain speaking. But the fact that you sought me out, right? to pray for your mom, right? Illustrates the biblical parable of the centurion who, who just told Jesus, hey, I don't need you to pray for me, right? Kind of don't believe in what you're doing around here. However, this soldier of mine I'm really close to is really ill and you don't even have to pray. If you tell me he's gonna get better, I'm gonna get up and leave because I know it's gonna happen. Right. That's how the story goes. Right. It's funny because th that illustration that Jesus provides happens more often in our lives than we know. Right. So, you know, so when it comes to prayer, it's just, you know, you don't complicate it. You just have a conversation. And if some things you want to talk about, it's really personal or whatever. Um, you can go to I tell people, go to your car, right? Go to your car, sit in it, turn that car on, turn the radio on, and then put all your junk out on the table, right? It's between you and the banker, right? And yeah. once you're done, you walk out the car, you know what? Safety deposit box is locked. You know what I mean? Nobody can open it back out but you, right? And it's, and it's you know, that's, that's really what it is. That's awesome. Well, listen, uh, let's, um, I want to get to a point here. Let's, um, let's pray about what I want to pray about. Sure. Uh, I want you to lead, lead a prayer. Uh, and, and people, if you're watching, share this with, with man, with guys that are getting deployed, pray for their families, share this with their families. Um, we need to stay in prayer as a country for our men and women who are going into harm's way. And I, I don't know, I know lots of troops get deployed all the time, but you know, God just laid this on my heart uh, to do it tonight. And so uh, without any further ado, we'll go ahead and lead us in a prayer okay. for all our men and women who are getting deployed right now to Afghanistan. Sure. Um, 
I invite everybody to pray within their faith tradition. Um, Almighty God, we come to you today not to pray for ourselves, not to seek guidance for ourselves, not to even seek cover for ourselves. This moment in time is not about ourselves. We're praying today because we want to pray for things greater than ourselves. We want you to help and keep safe and guide those who are serving in multitude of countries, those who are being deployed that we know about, and those people who deployed to these different places that we're not even allowed to know about, but they're there protecting us, allowing us to live our daily lives, getting our Starbucks, go shopping with our families and things like that. So, so we come to you this evening that you guide them, you protect them. We want to send some comfort mercies over to their families, for they will need comfort during this time until their loved ones return. We ask that you allow your Holy Spirit, dear Lord, to be with them so they can make the best decisions that they need to. And in certain situations, those are split decisions. We ask that you allow them to trust in their training because that gives them the most opportunity to come back home. We put all these things in your name, Heavenly Father, and we ask that you help put a microphone to this prayer, that you help put a microphone to the, to the message, and that everyone, no matter what branch of service they are, hears this, or at least feels that in their hearts, that they have hundreds, if not even thousands of, of people, to include us veterans who've already been there and came back, that you know we believe in them, we support them, we're praying for them, and we wish them nothing but the best and in a safe return. We pray all these things in your precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. Well, brother, I really appreciate your time. And like I said, uh, I'm making no a promise to you right here, live on, on the podcast, that I'm going to bring <laughs> you back as a regular guest. Uh, and uh, and you and I will spend a whole hour uh, chit-chatting about uh, life in general. And uh, Oh, but, man, uh, I, don't know I, if, really... I don't know if people, I don't know if people be ready to do that, you know, <laughs> to Two apparently broken people chatting it up. <laughs> hey, you know, uh, people say all the time, you know, I hear that. This is what I love to tell people. You get the Bible and you find some people that are not broken in there. You know, God took the most broken people and did the biggest things with them. Everybody, you know? everybody that's in the Bible is broken. Not yeah. one of them aren't. Not a and, single one. <laughs> Old Testament to New Testament, all did. of them are broken, right? Yeah. But I, I think the thing is, the reason he chooses broken people is because he knows once the miracle happens, right, it's in our brokenness we find humanity, right? Amen. It's hard for you, it's hard for someone to be empathetic and be able to really serve humanity if they themselves weren't to a point where people were not serving them, right? 
And I think that's why he chooses broken people is because once you're broken, God comes into your life. It doesn't mean you're fixed. It doesn't mean that the vase isn't broken anymore, right? But what happens is, you know, you get some of that Gorilla Glue on that thing and it keeps you together. You get put back on the shelf. You look really good now, but there's still the cracks, the lines, right? The lines let people know once upon a time this vase was broken, but it's good now and it can hold water. Yeah. It serves its purpose, right? And that's really what it is. It's, you know, you get broken, the good Lord comes into your life. And then as you discover yourself and discovering yourself, you end up finding your humanity. Finding your humanity gives you purpose and the purpose allows you to serve others. That's the equation, right? And if people pay attention to the Bible, they'll see that pattern, that equation happen over and over and over again. Yeah, I uh, I think one of my favorite Bible verses is in James. James, or I think it's in James. And I think it's the very end of James where he says that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it wouldn't rain. It didn't rain for three years and six months. Now, if you live in South Texas and it doesn't rain for three years and six months, you know that when you get that first rain, all it's going to do is wash mud down the down the yeah. hill. Yeah. And so and then it says that he prayed again uh, and it rained and the earth bore fruit. And so what that verse tells me is that every single one of us has the power through God in us to do what Elijah did. You know, we're all empowered by God. The Holy Spirit fills us yeah. and and enables us to be able to do superhuman things that we couldn't do on our own. Yeah, you know, I tell people, don't look for the home run, right? <laughs> all yeah. you need to do is get a lot of base hits, man. That's all you need to do. The more, bat, <laughs> the more runners you bat in, the greater the impact. Right. So don't, you know, don't look for the, the big cause. Don't look for this, you know, don't look for basically the big accolade that comes with you super manning the day. Right. Yeah. Because if you look to be Superman, then you miss the whole premise of the Bible to begin with. None of those people were Superman. Right. They were all regular people who started to influence within their personal sphere first. And then it grew from there, right? So I tell people, you can always affect change within those that are around you, right? And the big impact isn't even from you. It's the people who you affected, they then affect others in a positive way. And that's where the impact goes from. Because if anybody ever wants to trace it back to when did they get this idea ultimately is going to come back to what you did for them right that inspired them to be like you know what the world may be dark but because of this one person here i can see some speckles of gray in it so it's not as dark as i thought it was right and that's all you need to do for a person it's to allow them to see slivers of light in the darkness to where it becomes gray, right? If something is gray, it's no longer black and white, which means I have options, right? And that's really yeah. all you're trying to do is help people understand 
that it's not black and white, right? There's speckles of gray in there. Gray allows you options. And the option, the decisions you make with those options will obviously affect you, you know, positively or negatively. But if you think about it and, you know, think about really what decision you want, one decision will always stick out, will always tower over the others. And that decision is the one that's the hardest. It's the one that costs you the most, but that decision allows you to sleep at night. That's yeah, amen to that. That's what it is. Absolutely. Well, brother, like I said, I'm going to have you back on this show uh, for a full-length uh, uh, guest. I really enjoyed. Uh, we hadn't really chatted before this. Uh, you responded no, to the post. First time. <laughs> and I appreciate it. And uh, <laughs> I've, got some, I've got some housekeeping things that I have to get done tonight uh, with my audience. But I just really wanted you, to somebody to come on a third party. And uh, I'm really glad that you uh, that you you raised your hand and jumped in because uh, uh, I've got a new friend now and I've got another brother in Christ um, and another veteran soldier uh, for Christ. And so uh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to listen to the rest of the of the podcast, if you like. And and I'm going to have you uh, on as a regular guest. I'm going to send you an invite. And you can pick a date when you're available. And I would love to to spend a whole a whole podcast, man, just talking to you. Yeah, so I appreciate it. Praying. Yeah, no problem. Thank I appreciate it. For us. And yeah. uh, I hope that everybody listening, I hope you guys pay attention to what's going on. You know, our men and women go in harm's way. We need to pray for them daily. And um, with that, brother, I I'm gonna I'm gonna take you off the show. But I, I appreciate everything uh, for you coming on tonight. Such short notice. Uh, and then just speaking to God from your heart, man, I love it. You and I got to talk some more because I think we got some work. You know, God doesn't uh, cross people's paths by chance. There's a purpose for everything he does. And there's a reason why you and I just met. So uh, I look forward yeah. to see what he does. Yeah, of course, you know, and, um, you know, I'll, of course, accept your cool friend request that you send over to the book <laughs> of the faith here. And we'll keep in touch, man, for sure. Absolutely, brother. Well, thank you so much. God bless you. And I'll see you soon. All right. Thanks. All right. Bye. Take care. Wow. That was awesome. Uh, I didn't expect that. I, I didn't know. Um, uh, Will, I put a post in looking for a chaplain. I know how to pray. I pray. I'm pretty good at it, you know, at least in my own mind. Uh, and God seems to answer the prayers that I, some of the prayers that I ask. And so uh, I know that I, that I can pray. Uh, but I just wanted somebody, a third party to do it. Um, you know, we're, it's a serious situation where uh, things that are going on with our, with there any time that we have to mass deploy a group of people when we're supposed to be scaling back, you know, there's something inherently wrong with that. And I don't care about the politics of it. I really don't. Uh, those of you who know me close know exactly how I feel about all of it. Um, if you're military and you know anything about OPSEC, you never, ever, ever, ever uh, project or forecast your moves. You just don't do it. And so, um, and as a result, we're having to send thousands of Marines and paratroopers into harm's way uh, to secure the safety of thousands uh, of our U.S. Uh, embassy workers and troops. And so I am just ask you to pray for them daily until they're all home. 
Um, you know, it's Red Friday. I don't have my red shirt on today. Um, remember, everybody deployed. These guys are just now leaving. Uh, they actually had, uh, there's a group of combat Marines that was already in the area, uh, from what I understand, and they have moved them uh, to uh, to the area. They've, it's already begun. Uh, the Pentagon said that today, and so just keep all those people, um, you know, the best thing you can do for anybody is pray. Uh, I have a really good friend of mine, John Mitten. He's a pastor of Everyday Christian in Cibolo, Texas. He's got a sign on his desk. I think he has a sign on his desk that said, have you prayed first? Have you prayed about it already? Or something like that. And uh, because the first thing you should do is pray. It shouldn't be the last thing. It should not be a last resort. Don't put God on the shelf. My God spoke the world into existence. He is not a small God. He's a huge God. And he can make anything happen. And we have to be obedient. And we have to pray. And uh, prayer is something that that. Uh, for me personally, uh, you know, keeps my sanity. And so I want to talk about a little bit about that now. Um, so I've been kind of absent for the last uh, almost month now. Uh, I've done a couple of social media posts. Some really great things have happened in between, but several, uh, probably three or four weeks ago, uh, I lost a really close family member. And um, he's more like a brother than a cousin. And uh, there are three of us that were really, really, really close. And so uh, I loved him. I talked to him. He was a jockey. Um, he loved that life. He lived it daily. His hat, the, the hat, baseball hat you see in the background says, live to ride, ride to live. And, uh, and he's, he's definitely an individual, very few that I've known, that his entire life he did what he loved. It wasn't something he came up with later. Uh, I mean, literally at, since high school, this he's done exactly what he wanted to do in life. He loved riding horses. He loved racing them. Uh, and, and that's what he did. He loved his family. Um, and he wasn't without flaw. I mean, we're all flawed. The Bible says that every one of us falls short of the glory of God. And, uh, and so uh, the saddle that you see in the background, uh, that is a, a jockey saddle. It was Eric's first uh, professional saddle ever. And then that is an article that came out in 1998. He started professionally riding in 93 or 94, somewhere around there. And 98, he came out. He was top jockey on Atama. He won over 10,000 races uh, in his career. Uh, he won over $25 million in purses. And, um, and his signature pose, I guess, was with his hands up in the air, you know, thanking God uh, in the winter circle most of the time. He was he was a, he was very well um, known in the racing community. Um, I've seen many photo finishes of him. He rode in the Breeders' Cup. Um, I've seen many, you know, the when the jockeys finish a race, they start to pull back on the horse right before they turn to slow him down. And I, I can't tell you how many races that that he won standing straight up, pushing the horse's neck forward, uh, never slowing down. And he won a lot of races like that. And um, he was a formidable uh, opponent on the, on the, uh, on the track. And um, it struck me really hard. Uh, he got hurt in an accident. The horse broke his leg, threw him over, then rolled over him. And then, and then uh, tried to 
you know, get up and trampled all over him. And he had a bunch of brain bleeds and lung problems and all kinds of stuff. His jaw was broken. Um, and um, seven months, mostly intubated uh, under heavy sedation. And he got strong enough to come home. He came home to Mason, Texas. Uh, and then after that, it just didn't, um, uh, it didn't, it didn't fare well. He kept going back into the hospital and, and uh, God finally called him home. Um, he was a, he was a fully surrendered uh, follower of Christ. And so I know where he's at, uh, but I know where my dad's at and it was a tough deal. And so it was very, very uh, hard for me to process that. And then to try to, to try to do a podcast and smile and, and talk about things, you know, uh, when there was nothing else on my mind. And so that's why I've been absent for the most part. Uh, there's been a lot going on in my life. You know, I've been working out for the last 14 weeks with Robert Torres. A lot of you have seen the, the uh, weekly posts. Uh, we worked out three times a week. Uh, and the last 60 days, uh, my body fat hasn't changed and my weight went down like four pounds only. And that's a direct result of what I'm putting in my mouth. And so um, I'm not eating right. My nutrition is not where it needs to be. And, um, and so I had a serious talk with Robert because uh, his wife has actually joined the military and she's in school right now, tech school. And so he's taking care of the kids and um, he's got a lot of stress. And then to add to that, to steal time from him because I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do when we're not working out is not fair to him. And it wasn't fair to, you know, it wasn't smart for me to throw money away when, when I'm not, when I'm not going to do what I'm supposed to. And so um, all the details of that and actual pictures uh, have gone out to a, a private group called whiskey uh, uh, the whiskey group, which uh, Frank is uh, he's watching right now. He started uh, and we're going to keep each other accountable on the nutrition side. And uh, we're going to, we're going to do what, what we do as vets and lift one another up uh, until we all get where we're supposed to be, um, you know, health wise. I'm not slowing down. I'm not stopping. I am not going to stop exercising. I'm not going to stop riding my bike uh, because of Robert. Uh, I, I can move around all day now. Uh, I can do heavy labor, which I wasn't able to do, uh, Robert came out here for the first uh, have mission that we had, have mission 001. Uh, and by the end of the day, I couldn't move. Robert had to work on me for 30 or 40 minutes before I could actually get up and walk around. Uh, and right after that, we started working out. And so since then, uh, I have been able to, I mean, I can work all day now in the heat, heavy lifting. Uh, I've been doing all the finishing touches on the shop. Um, got everything the shop is 100 done except for tomorrow morning we're going to pull the uh the last bit of the cable to the pole to the new pole uh and and then the shop will be 100 done uh we have a lot of uh, exciting things that are happening uh in the business uh we've got on this tangent of uh of doing white label and we have quite a few people that want white label white label if you don't know what that is it's basically your story your packaging, your logos with our coffee in it. Uh, and people, you know, everybody likes the, it's a, it's an extra uh, source of revenue uh, for people because I give you a great discount, uh, you know, for what, I, what I'm going to do. And then you mark it up to what we retail it for and you make your money uh, and you have, there's nothing you have to do except for, you know, make a deal with me. 
And so, uh, Frank, if you would put Delta dash one D dash one in the comments. D dash one is a code uh, that we use. It's a discount code. Uh, if you use it by itself for a single purchase of coffee, it's worth 10 percent. If you use it on a monthly subscription, it's worth 20 percent uh, off of your monthly subscription. Uh, and then the other thing that's going on right now is the Veteran Podcast Awards. And so uh, from now until September the 17th, voting is open. And I'm going to, let's see, I have that somewhere right here. There we go. And then I'm going to also put that in the... Um, I'm also going to put that in the comments over here. Let's see if I can find it somewhere. Okay. All right, here we go. Okay, so I'm going to put uh, that is going to be. Give me one second here. I'm not great doing this on the fly. Okay, here we go. And then voting, and then there's the link, and I'm going to copy and paste. And hopefully this one will go into the comments properly. And we are in the running for best. Let me see. Hang on here. Best Navy. Best business. Best overall. So I, uh, I ask you guys to, uh, to please, uh, oh, I don't want to hide that. I want that to keep going. I'm going to put this over here. Thank you, uh, Frank, for putting that on there. I really do appreciate it. Uh, Frank is a great guy. He's a Marine. He's got this great company that's about to crush it. And, um, you know, for everybody, everybody in the world knows the joke about crayons, about Marines eating crayons. Well, Frank turned it into a real business, and they're chocolate edible crayons that you can actually color with and so there's nothing like it in the world and he's working out all the details with uh with co-packers to to make his stuff uh and um and it's going to um it's going to crush the market once it hits and so uh i i employ you to uh, to go look up uh frank throw your website up there man so that everybody can see it and um and go check it out. And he's he's still raising money on a Kickstarter uh, to get everything done for the co-packer, so he can have enough money to do a first run and be able to get it out of uh, out of concept into production. And so, um, but I just wanted to, uh, you know, I definitely wanted to pray tonight uh, for our troops. Uh, it, you know, I uh, like I said before, I I've been dealing with OPSEC for the last well since I was in the military, and because my dad was a counterintelligence crypto tech uh and i grew up with him and 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 you know seeing how he always addressed national security and things like that and then to to see all our our troops have to go back into i mean like thousands of them have to have to get deployed i i just really want you guys to to pray um you know, for all our troops that are getting deployed, man, think about their families, pray for their families. You know, if you guys know people that need something, 
uh, you can always reach out, you know, hit us on all our social media. We have a lot of resources. We're linked in with a lot of people. We got people all over the country and, um, and, and if we can somehow help families who, who their, their loved ones are deployed, you know, we will definitely do it. And, um, and so, uh, keep those kinds of things in mind. Um, it's just hard to understand, you know, what our, what our government does. And, and, and I, I'm a firm believer because the Bible tells me, and I believe everything in the Bible that the Bible says that all of our leaders are, are, you know, God allows them to be where they're at. And so I don't, for, I, you're not ever going to hear me say, Oh, that guy's not my president. Well, I didn't vote for him. I voted for Trump and I'll vote for him again. Uh, I didn't vote for this guy, but the fact is he's our president and he's made the decisions and the best thing that we can do is to pray uh, for our troops who have to execute those decisions. And there's no politics involved in that. There's no uh, right or left involved in that. Uh, our, our men and women, they serve. And while they're over there, they're serving the guy or the gal that's next to them. And it's our job to support them while they're over there. Uh, that's our duty. That's our, our human duty. Uh, and so I, I just implore you to I just please, please pray for these people often. Uh, I want you to play, pray for a friend of mine's mother. Her name is Janet. He is on the other side of the planet trying to get home. She's got COVID. They've, they've uh, airlifted her to a different hospital so they can intubate her. Um, she's very ill. And I just ask that you guys pray for Janet uh, and Billy, too, because he's He's got a long way to come to, to get to his mom. And so um, keep those things in, in mind. Pray for these people. Um, and then on a, on a light note, uh, from every Friday from now until September 17th, uh, we're being, basically it's listener voting uh, for the, we're, this is the first annual Veteran Podcast Awards. And, and what does that do? What difference does it make if I get an award for best Navy or whatever? What does that do? It, it gets the word out a little bit. It gets us a little more notoriety, more listeners, more audience. What does that audience do? Well, I sell more coffee. How does that help anything except for my own pockets, right? Well, here's how it helps. I don't really care about making a pot ton of money. I do want to make money. I know it's important because if I make $10 a month extra, how much ministry am I going to be able to do with $10? Not very much. If I make $10,000 extra every month, now I can do some real work in, in ministry. You know, I can support groups that are out there helping veterans, trying to knock down that 22 number every day. Uh, we have a huge ministry called LF Missions. Uh, we have a, a, a fund the first uh, fund me account right now uh, for lfmissions.org. Uh, they are a, um, a coffee where I, where, where we get all our raw coffee from, uh, in Honduras. And we actually got to go there back in May and, uh, and to see how people live in a third world country, unless you've been to one. And I'm not talking about going to Mexico. I'm talking about a real third world country where people don't have running water. They don't have electricity. They don't have sewage. I mean, they're literally living like somebody did, you know, 200 years ago. And so uh, we support that, that mission with, with a lot of our money. We also support Combat Marine Outdoors, uh, which is an organization that takes our wounded uh, hunting and fishing all over the world at no cost to them. 
and so we're not, yeah, I mean, I have to pay the bills. I got to keep the lights on and I got to pay for coffee and I have to pay my mortgage, you know? So yes, you know, I am making money, but it's all more about giving whatever we can away uh, because at the end of the day, none of it belongs to us. It's all God's. There's not a single thing that I own. There's nothing that belongs to me personally. It's all God's and I will use it all to glorify him. And if that means giving every single dime that I make away, then that's what God's got for me. I will be obedient to that. And so I ask for support. I ask for your support uh, in those things. And, um, and just keep our, keep our troops in your prayers. I mean, it's so important right now. Um, and um, that's really all I got tonight, guys. I, I hope that uh, you'll tune in next week. Next week, we hit the ground running. Uh, we have Mark Dudek. He's a uh, Army veteran. Uh, he, he resides down in Florida. He does these incredible uh, landscape things with these fire pits that they're programmable. It's just he does some incredibly gorgeous work. Uh, and, uh, and he's a person who's, you know, he's, he's walking his faith out right now. Uh, and so I just ask that you, um, tune in, uh, and ask questions, uh, hit us up, vote, uh, hit Frank up, you know, drop 15, 20 bucks, whatever you can afford to help him bring, bring his business. Uh, you know, Frank is struggling with a lot of things, but, um, you know, if, if he can get this thing off the ground, uh, it can change his life, uh, drastically change his life. And, and I hope that we can all support him in that. Uh, and so, um, again, go to veteran podcast awards.com, um, and backslash or forward slash vote and vote for third, uh, vote for God coffee country podcast and best Navy, best business and best overall. Um, and then uh, go to crayonsreadytoeat.com uh, and support that. And then also uh, be looking for some posts that we do here in the future. I'm going to be uh, pushing the LF missions again um, because we really need to try their, their, they've got the church building built. So I'm going to have some pictures here soon of some of the work that we've been doing with the money that we're donating. Uh, I donate a dollar from every bag of Isaiah uh, a dollar goes to LF missions and then another dollar goes to combat Marine outdoors. And so, uh, help us keep helping those people. I mean, we're, we're trying to help veterans and we're trying to help people who have no means to help themselves, uh, down, down in Honduras. And, um, you know, a lot, I used to tell myself all the time, I used to tell people all the time, you know, we got people right here in the backyard that, that don't have, well, I understand it. There's a lot of people combating, you know, homelessness and child hunger and all kinds of things here. And uh, the only reason I stumbled across lfmissions.org is because I met the owner of the farm and I saw the work that he's doing God's work down there. And so I hope that, uh, that you'll continue to support us. Uh, you know, we've been a little slow getting orders out. Uh, there's been a lot going on. We moved all our equipment into the building. Uh, and then we had to work out some issues that I had with the, uh, with the fuel and, and exhaust. And so it's been really, really a uh, trying time. And, uh, and then uh, of course, you know, my personal fitness, uh, I sort of took a, you know, it wasn't a failure. My trainer, Robert tells me it wasn't a failure, uh, but it kind of is because I'm not, I'm not holding myself accountable, but we've, 
we're, we're, we're working on through all these problems. We're getting all these things squared away. Uh, and I, I continue to ask for prayers uh, aside from our troops and all that, but I continue to ask for prayers for the Chapa family. Um, you know, my cousin's wife and his daughters and his mother and his brothers uh, and his sister and everybody who who's been affected by his, his, uh, we really didn't, exp I mean, I, we thought he was just going to fight his way through it and, and be okay. And so, um, keep the Chapa family in your prayers, keep all our troops in your prayers and treat everybody the way God intended us to treat one another with love, kindness, and respect. And folks, we will see you next week, if not sooner. And, uh, God bless you guys. Have a great weekend. Love y'all. Good night.